Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Today's Issues program. Uh, I'm Tim Wildman. we got 25 more minutes of this show here today. Ed Battagliano is with me, as well as Fred Jackson. Steve Jordahl joins us now in studio. Good morning, hey, Steve. Good morning. Hey, uh, Al- we held Alex uh, McFarland over for a- so he could tell us a story. And... Uh, not a lie. That's what my mom used to call it. Huh? Oh, yeah, a story. Don't yeah. tell a story. Don't tell, tell story. me a story. Don't tell stories. <laughs> um, uh, Alex, go ahead, brother. I wanted you to well, have you, a chance. You are so kind. Yeah. It, yeah. It's good to be able to share this. Yeah. Okay, 9-11 happened. I think we all would remember that. And I had been on the Billy Graham radio show, Decision Radio, and so I, I got a call like midday on 9-11-2001, and they said, look, we're going to New York City with a team of people to minister. We don't don't even know what we'll do, but would you go with us? And oddly enough, I had planned to take like two weeks off, which I never do. And Angie said to me, said, you need to go. So uh, within hours after 9-11, I'm on a bus to New York City. Well, the New York Stock Exchange had been closed. This is just almost unparalleled. And it reopened on the 17th, so six days after 9-11. And uh, I was sent, they said, here's, here's a case of Steps to Peace with God, the little Billy Graham track. Go down there to Wall Street. We've got you. You're going to just say a very brief word and say a prayer. And as Wall Street closes on the first day of being reopened, we go, Alex, represent the Billy Graham ministry and give a, a very brief word of, you know, condolences and let's pray. So I went down there uh, to 11 Wall Street to give this little brief pastoral word. Well, hundreds of men are leaving, and I'm literally on, like, the steps outside of the New York Stock Exchange. And, like, men walk up to me, and I'll never forget this first guy. They said, uh, he goes, "Um, are we near the end of the world? I mean, because, you know, after 9-11, everybody does, you know. So... um, as, as this guy asked me, are we near the end of the world, like three dozen men in, you know, Brooks Brothers suits lean in, listening intently to me. And so I, I, I said, look, uh, nobody knows the day or the hour, but in the next two minutes before that crosswalk changes, the light at the crosswalk, I'm going to tell you how to be ready. And had you been in those towers and died, you'd be ready to meet God. I'm going to share this in just two minutes. Well... I noticed, like, everybody's listening, and so I led, and I, and I got bold, Tim, and I said, if you're going to accept Jesus Christ, and you want to be ready to meet God and have a relationship with the Lord, I'm going to lead in a prayer, and I want you to raise your hand. Like, 100%, everybody raised their hand. Now it's like 5.05, people are leaving, and I, I shouted, I said, the gentleman asked me, is Christ coming back? Are we near the end of the world? Let me speak to that issue. And everybody stops. Guys, it was like from 5 p.m. until 7.45. I had so many people that like a couple of hot dog vendors came in close, and this hot dog vendor like looked at me, and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, You know, I, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of people came out of the stock exchange right there at the crosswalk, and I think I street preached until I was hoarse, but we gave away a case of 500 Billy Graham Peace with God tracks, and that was my—because here's the thing. 
the nation was knocked to its knees, and at that point, at least for that moment, people were open to hearing the gospel. Um, we need to turn back to Christ again. Yeah, one of the reasons people will listen is they're scared to death. <laughs> yeah, That's human so, nature, right? Yeah. Tell That's me right. how. People want to know, yeah. tell me how I escape doom. Right. Huh? Yeah. So it, it seems like every time I go to Manhattan, I wind up street preaching. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, listen, thanks for staying over with us, Alex. Go do your show. Hey. Je- uh, I see Jeff over there. He's waiting at your can I Can I play a, a one-second name that tune uh, game with uh, Alex? Alex, can you name this tune? I will do my best. Did you hear it? I did. You got me. You got me, Steve. I, what, what was it? Well, it's. I think it's Glass Onion. Oh, okay. From the White Album by yes. the Beatles. Hey, guys. Now, Steve Jordahl and I have this rich history of like music trivia. So you beat me today, brother. So this was just that was be- awkward. This was it's just it's just between y'all two. To share it with the whole listening audience. Okay? Well, I just I, Alex can name any any Beatles gotcha. tune in one second. Gotcha. All right, thanks, Alex. Except Appreciate glass it. onion. We'll Except see that you. one. Okay. All right, Steve Paisley. Hey, <laughs> Beatles Jordahl in studio with us. So, so you wanted to see if Alex could name that Beatles tune just by one second of drums. There is well, there is an app that I that we both uh, use. We play. It's a game we play, and every right. day they give you the first second of a Beatles tune. Right. Can you name it? If not, you can add another couple seconds until you can recognize yeah. the tune. And that's going to help you eternally how exactly now? <laughs> I don't, just, you know, um, it's not going to hurt. Just wanting Let's to just know. say that. Okay. <laughs> I got to right. say that you talk about whiplash. We went from that poignant story yes. about people getting saved <laughs> right, right. in New York it's City. Two seconds of drums from a <laughs> Beatles album. <laughs> to a, that's to okay, a, though. Uh, we I, all we I, all have our little things we like. <laughs> I work with Steve the newsroom yeah. this is not unusual <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which was tom jones right yeah at least steve can actually sing it uh, hey tom jones in my head tom jones that dude could dance you ever seen him uh-uh. yes uh, he wouldn't he's not a baptist i'll tell you that right now <laughs> uh, dude that dude could, i've seen a couple of videos of, of yes. him the Whalen Welshman. That, is that what he was? The Whalen Welshman. He was kind of a contemporary with Elvis, and and they were. He was just on one of those uh, music. He's still voice alive. Competition shows. He was. He still is. I think on like yeah. the Voice or something like that. Yeah. All right. You're listening to uh, today's issues. Not name that tune. No. Uh, all right, Steve. What do you What do you have here? Well, it's, I think we need to get into it, gentlemen. Um, are evangelicals abandoning Donald Trump? Because he seems to think so. I want to play you a little bit of a cut from an interview that he did with David Brody, a former colleague of mine. And uh, David asked Yesterday? Him, Wasn't it yesterday? Within the last day or two. Okay. I think it was yesterday, though. Um, David asked him, he says, uh, so you've announced for your presidency, the presidency, and so far not a whole lot of evangelical leaders have jumped on the Trump train. What do you have to say to them? So listen to Cut 14. When you announce your candidacy, at least as it stands now, some of these prominent evangelical leaders who backed you last time, they're not yet willing to commit, like Robert Jeffress is not, some others. It seems like many of them are waiting to see how the field takes shape before backing anyone. What is your message to them? Well, I don't really care. Look, uh, that's, a, that's a sign of disloyalty. There's great disloyalty in the world of politics, and that's a sign of disloyalty because 
nobody, as you know, and you would know better than anybody because you do such a great job, nobody has ever done more for right to life than Donald Trump. I put three Supreme Court justices who all voted, and they got something that they've been fighting for for 64 years or many, many years. Right. And nobody thought they could win it. You know, they they won. Uh, Roe v. Wade, they won. They finally won. And, you know, I was a little disappointed because uh, I thought they could have fought much harder during the election, during the 22 election, because, you know, they won, and a lot of them... Uh, didn't fight or weren't really around to fight, and it did energize the Democrats. But a lot of the people that wanted and fought for years to get it, they sort of, uh, I don't know, they weren't there protesting and doing what they could have done. But with all of that being said, there's nobody that's done more for the movement than I have, and that includes uh, the movement of evangelicals and Christians and the movement very much of Right to Life. Yeah. Oh, that was former President Trump the last day or two being interviewed yep. by CBN's David Brody. Yes. Right. So he says that uh, it's disloyal for evangelicals to whom for, who, for whom he did so much as president to not uh, immediately uh, come on board and uh, endorse him. Uh, I'm sure he sees it that way. I don't see it that way. People, people uh, are not – just because somebody has a different take – on politics in 2022 than they did in 2016 doesn't uh to me doesn't mean that doesn't disloyal disloyal um that doesn't mean that they are disloyal to me you're loyal to uh a cause that's what you're loyal to you're not loyal you don't owe your loyalties we don't owe our loyalties to an individual person Forever and ever, amen, to borrow from Randy Travis. Um, see see what I did? I did. I see what you did I there. got music in there. In, in uh, less than a it, second. It, it, you know, just because uh, people are saying, I'm going to wait and see who I'm going to support in 2022, they can still say, hey, I appreciated what President Trump did in the four years he was in office. Give him credit for that. But today's a new day. A lot of things have happened since then. And – that all needs to be taken into consideration, not the least of which, in my view, is to borrow from Trump world, who can win? Yeah. Who can win? And everybody has to make that own their own evaluation uh, uh, themselves on this. Ed? Well, I, no, I, I agree. And I, I'll just say this for me personally, in the run-up to the 2016 election, during the primary campaigns, I voted – for I guess I can tell this, I voted for Ted Cruz. I did too. All yeah. right, I thought he was more. He was closer to my values, to my Christian faith at the time. I was not sure exactly what uh, candidate Trump believed, and uh, but others like the aforementioned Robert Jeffress, that former President Trump just mentioned, the pastor at First Baptist in Dallas, Texas, who we had on the program during the primary season. And he said, I think Donald Trump is the only candidate who can win in 2016. And beat Hillary Clinton. And beat Hillary Clinton, and that's why I'm supporting him. So people like Robert, Dr. Robert Jeffress, I look at who can win and in winning hinder the far-left agenda, which I think is destructive to and corrosive to and destructive to our country and who will more closely approximate the views that I hold. I think that's the way most people 
look at politics. So I am going to wait and see in the run-up to the 2024 election the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing. And like you said, I am very appreciative. I think President Donald Trump was a champion for a lot of the causes that I care about. I think he was unfairly maligned and bludgeoned every day of his candidacy. Okay, I, be, I believe that. But and every day of his presidency. Every, every, of his presidency. And so I'm, but I am going to wait because like you said, I am not, I, I am loyal to Jesus Christ and uh, secondarily, of course, far down the list, the Constitution and the vision of the Founding Fathers. And that's what I'm looking at when I am I'm go- going to consider who I vote for in the next one. Yeah, I think 14, 15 months from now, if Donald Trump is going to be on the top of the ticket, the vast majority of evangelicals will vote for him right. rather than Joe Biden or Michelle right. Obama right. or whoever's on the Democrat ticket. Right, but there's a long way to get there. It's a long way. And I, I my view is it's a little uh, presumptuous on the part of President Trump to uh, say clear the field for me. Right. I, I shouldn't have to compete. Um, that's typically reserved to incumbents, right? Mm-hmm. And now, <laughs> you know, he would say, well, I was the incumbent uh, right? because I got cheated. Uh, he didn't talk about that much. President <laughs> Trump doesn't, but, uh, anyhow, <laughs> but now, uh, I, I will say this, I don't know if we're going to get time to, to play it, but, uh, he, he has a speech on his website. Uh, that you played this morning, Steve. Who does? Uh, President Trump. President Trump. It was a very good speech. We're talking about China. China. Okay. So uh, this, he's got a lot of great ideas, and I'm I'm open minded to considering who the best candidate would be for conservatism, but Christian values. Yeah, I did see some statistics where uh, he's he's surged back as President Trump after you know uh, November. He went down in the polls some. Um, by polls, I mean polls in the within the Republican world, you know. And so, uh, who who knows? You know, Pres- uh, Governor DeSantis has not even announced yet, right? And he may not. And uh, and, and the the expectation is he if he is going to announce, he will announce. I think after March is it or uh, when but, when the legislature is done yes. in Florida? Oh, excuse me, for but see, this is the kind of thing uh, uh, that turns a lot of people off. Trump will say, oh, well, I made DeSantis governor. I'm the one who got him elected. Without me, he would be nowhere. Well, that's a bunch of garbage, okay? You may say when DeSantis first ran and he won barely, he did win barely, it is fair to say President Trump helped him uh, and came to Florida to help him. That is true. But you can't say, for you to say, after DeSantis was in office for four years and all that he accomplished, he still owes that to me for the rest of his life. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? That is where I separate from Donald Trump and I say, well, that is not fair to, to, uh, for you to claim credit for DeSantis, uh, because you helped him in 2016 and he was a successful governor. You're going to then call him governor Sanct- Sanct- sanctimonious. sanctimonious and say he's a very average governor. So on the one hand, that's what Trump said about right. DeSantis. So every, for every good thing Donald Trump says, he says stuff like that, which you go, why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you putting down 
DeSantis when he's his people are your people. And I, w- I will say uh, in defense of former President Trump that the dip in polls, poll numbers after November probably comes from the very real factor that he is out of the news for the most part. Governor DeSantis, however, has been in the news because of the things he's been yes. doing. So once president, once former President Trump begins to uh, campaign and hold uh, rallies, I think his numbers will probably go back up. Go, And he is. He's holding his first rally next week in Columbia, South Carolina. And I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of crowd, but also what he says at that rally. Yeah. Does it matter how old he is? It it does it does to me, uh, but but I've been speaking enough. Go ahead, uh, Fred and Steve. What do you guys think about age running for president? He, he's seven. He'll be set. He's seventy six right now. About to be seventy seven. Is that right? I think so. President Trump. I'm talking about. Go ahead. I I don't think the people who support Trump will take the age into consideration. I, I don't think they will. He has a very loyal base. Right. And like I said, I'm anxious to see what happens in South Carolina next week. Probably be a big crowd. Yeah. He's 76 right now. He's 76, so. And his birthday's in June, so six months from now, he'll be 77. I don't think all the people that have been saying that Biden is too old and everything is necessarily the number, but the indications that, that the age is affecting his cognitive abilities and not necessarily see that with Donald Trump, although... At 76, 77, uh, he'd be 80 by the time he retires. Something like that can come on pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, uh, it, 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 you know, as I say, uh, I don't think anybody else has announced, besides Donald Trump, that they're going to run for the Republican tick uh, on the Republican side yep. yet. Pence, uh, former vice president, was supposed to announce this month. He told us before Christmas he would make a decision over the Christmas break. So, but we, it, we haven't heard a thing from Pence. Right. I'm a little bit surprised about that. Yeah. Next story, Steve. All right. Um, New York City, Mayor, Mayor, New uh, York City, New York City, uh, Mayor Eric Adams has, uh, has come to reality with regard to the immigration crisis. Uh, New York City, of course, announced as a sanctuary city back under Donald Trump. We'll take them all. The racist president trying to keep these poor people out. Bring them. Go ahead. Let them come to the United States. New York City is a sanctuary city. Well, um, Governor DeSantis and uh, Governor Abbott start uh, busing New York. And Ducey from, and Ducey uh, from Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Start uh, busing. And, and the Democrat governor from Lujan, isn't it? Colorado. Oh, oh. He was shipping I, them to New York City, too. That's, um, it was a bipartisan effort. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now he's getting so many... Um, Migrants, they're they're having a hard time keeping track of them. I want you to hear what he has to say about this. Uh, this is cut number one. There is no more room. Uh, it's not that we get we get into that point. We are at that point, and I, I wanted to be clear with New Yorkers of uh, what we're facing, how this is going to impact every city service uh, that we deliver to New Yorkers. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to continue to uh, do our moral and legal obligation. Uh, whoever come to the city, you're not seeing individuals sleeping on the streets with families uh, because we're continuing to pivot and shift as needed. Why is he talking about he's out of room and then say, but y'all keep coming? That doesn't make it. It's a double talk right there, what he just said right there. Well, uh, I think what's going on now, he says, yeah, keep coming to the state, right. state gonna, of New We York. have a moral legal obligation to take care of as many as come here. He wants to ship these upstate now, but the Governor Hochul, his 
Democrat ain't taking his phone calls. That's disappointing to me that a man who champions the right of illegal immigrants and have a sanctuary city, it's disappointing to me that he wants to ship them upstate and get them out of his town. <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, Governor Hochul or not, you can't stop someone, the mayor of New York City, from shipping anywhere in the country. All the uh, you can, Now, you well, can't force no, the they, immigrants. If, as no, long as they want to go where they're going. Yes, because you have the freedom to travel. So if they say, yeah, I want to go to Buffalo right. or I want to go to right. Albany, and the, and the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, says, okay, we'll put you on a bus, get you a ticket. Nobody can stop them. You can't stop the bus and right. drag them off and then force them to go back to New York City. I guarantee you, I guarantee you when Eric Adams virtue signaled by declaring New York City a sanctuary city, he never thought that that virtue signal would have consequences. He never thought they'd make it that far oh, north. how can you? Right. I'm just, I just meant the virtue signal here. I didn't right. mean the actual. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the way it is with lefties. They, and, like, they like to virtual signal well, when they have to live the, with the reality of their, quote, virtue, then they start backtracking or saying no or saying, I got to get, how do I, how do I get around the pain yeah. of what I've stood for? Um, I guarantee you, you know, they do the virtue signaling on the transgender stuff too, right? Yeah. I guarantee you, if you have men start playing women's, uh, high school basketball, then the people who are all for the transgender movement and their daughters are out there going against a six, two guy who's dunking on them. Right. They're going to say, Hey, this isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't like this. Well, that's the reality of what you've, what you've said you stood for when you were virtue signaling. It's the same way with this guy, mayor Adams of yeah. New York. This, he, uh, he actually went to, to his credit. He went to El Paso, uh, last week. Said it was to look a at the border. Didn't he? Uh, yeah. A catastrophe, a disaster area. Yes. He comes back, and because they've had 40,000 now, because a lot of these illegal immigrants from around the world, they come into Texas, and they go, where do you want to go? And they go, well, I want to go to New York. Well, here's your bus. Here's your ticket. Go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they go to New York. That's where they want to go. So really all Texas and Florida and Arizona and Colorado are doing is facilitating the final destination that's wanted by these uh, illegal uh, immigrants which is what the left says, you know, let them in. And they get mad at, they, they say, well, Abbott's just a, a virtue signal. Uh, he's just, no, he's just a uh, posturing. No, Governor Abbott, uh, to your point, Ed, he didn't make these people get on the buses to go. He's saying, I, how can I alleviate the pain in my state? Uh, if these folks want to go to New York and they consent and they want to get on the bus, here's the bus and let New York deal with them. Right. You know what? Because we, we're, we're overwhelmed down here ourselves. Right. Well, what Adams doesn't do, he falls short. Got mayor of Adams. I don't know. I don't know if he will do this. He doesn't mention Biden's name mm-hmm. as the reason for this. Uh, his pain uh, in New York with these forty thousand. I think he blamed uh, the right wingers. He did that are sending those with no without evidence. I like using that because that's yeah. what they use to get Trump. Well, the evidence yes. might be the, the the illegal showing up on his doorstep that they've sent there. Yeah. Well, they're just going. Look, they came to America. They were welcomed. President uh, candidate Biden said, "Let's have a surge at the right. border." Right. And guess what? In America, you get to go where you want. Another virtue signal that didn't work out so well, huh? Right. Yep. Uh, all right. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Fred, thank you. You bet. Ed. Absolutely. Appreciate your contributions. I see Alex and Chris were on here. Anybody else? Anybody else on the show today? Brett. 
Can say something about Brent? Yeah, Brent Creeley, our producer, about yeah. me, that actually voiced yeah. uh, as a guest. Brent did speak up about the president's uh, age. Okay. Well, thank you, Brent, for that contribution. <laughs> and uh, Trivia Friday will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow. We'll see you then.